if you hadn't gone so far as to guarantee that you'd run 100 miles on No Meat Athlete Radio, <laughs> which you did, yeah. uh, and I'd like to remind you of that and everyone else, that you did guarantee 100 miles in 24 hours. If you hadn't done that, you could just say, like, that's the great thing about a loop course is I can just go, and if it's not good, I'll just stop and party with my friends and cook on the grill and drink <laughs> beer and cheer on the other runners. Hi, this is Hope. This is Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Radio. Hello, welcome to episode, I don't know what episode it is, episode 70-something I noticed I think it's 80, actually. 80, okay, it's this a big one. This will probably be 80. It's as if I knew that it was something special, because we haven't said episodes in a while. Episode 80 of No Meat Athlete Radio, a very special one. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as special as the one a few weeks ago where we answered a bunch of questions because I didn't feel like answering them in my email, so we just answered them on the podcast. Uh, this time, actually, it's actually more special than that, because we've actually hand-selected the uh, questions, hand-picked them, uh, because they, they would be particularly interesting for No Meat Athlete Radio, we thought. So this is a Q&A episode. It's our only episode this week, so we're not going to rush through it, um, figuring that you could listen to half of it now and half of it later, and it'd be like we had two episodes. <laughs> we should good. always do that. We should. <laughs> well, people should just always, if they're short, they should just re-listen to it. Right. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> such good information. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, before we get to that, you've got a 24-hour race coming up. Yeah, we talked about it last week, and it's uh, now just three or four days away. Which yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm, I'm, I, last night was the first night uh, where I was laying in bed and couldn't quit thinking about it mm. and and starting to worry about things. So yep, I had I had started organizing my stuff a little bit yesterday evening and went to the grocery store and picked up a few things. So I think that was why it was in my head, and I just I had a lot of trouble letting that go. Did you have that before your hundred miler? That like the one day a week or two in advance when it you wake up or, or you just catch yourself and you're just like, what am I possibly doing? Like like why am I doing this? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. You did. Okay. Yeah. I had that. I didn't have it so much for the hundred because I put so much preparation into it. But for my first fifty, I remember I woke. It was like a week before, and I just I woke up and said, "There's no way I can run fifty miles. Like I'm not <laughs> able to do that. This is ridiculous." But then, you know, that's that's kind of what ultra running is. You just go do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm psyching myself out a little bit. There's supposed to be thunderstorms all weekend, like 9% chance of thunderstorms all weekend. Right. I know that the weather out here is so unpredictable, and it could change, uh, you know, day of, yeah. you know, the, how reliable that is or not. But I've been looking, and, you know, I, you know I'm just <laughs> picturing myself at 4 o'clock in the morning out there and lightning striking and being like... If you hadn't gone so far as to guarantee that you'd run 100 miles on No Meat Athlete Radio, <laughs> which you did, yeah. uh, and I'd like to remind you of that and everyone else, that you did guarantee 100 miles in 24 hours. If you hadn't done that, you could just say, like, that's the great thing about a loop course is I can just go, and if it's not good, I'll just stop and party with my friends and cook on the grill and drink beer and cheer on the other runners. But you can't go back on a guarantee. No, not now. Not now <laughs> oh, that's on, the, on the airwaves. You, I think you even you guaranteed it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked. Yeah, I think I did. But you agreed. All right, good. Well, that that'll be a good episode. We'll probably do that one next time. A little recap of that and uh, recap of my trip to Colorado, where I'm with the Colorado Nomad Athlete Group and the um, Oklahoma City Nomad Athlete Group, one yeah. of our one of our star groups. So that will be fun. I just wrote a post actually yesterday, um, nomadathlete.com slash nma. NMA Miami about my visit to them. 
Virginia Beach is coming up as a blog post, and then eventually I'll do uh, this one. So anyway, that's uh, that's what I'm up to. And anything else, Doug, before we jump into our Q&A here? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about those running groups you've had so much fun with the other ones, the Virginia Beach yeah. and Miami. and They uh, really are fun. Yeah. It's just, uh, I think it must be the the like-mindedness the, the people that do that are mm-hmm. people who are kind of like me because they read the blog and they're into it enough to you know have paid attention to the running groups and and have had gone out and made that happen so it's just i've just found it so easy to hang out with those people and it just feels like it's friends who i've known forever so I'm, I'm looking forward to it i'm still a little confused why there isn't a line line item in the budget for me to go out and fly out to these two <laughs> um that when you negotiated your pay increase, that one, <laughs> that, that one went away. You okay. ate into your own budget there. Huh. All right, so enough of our business talk. Let's get to our Q and A here. Uh, all right, so we've got about what eight of these things. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I think I think like I said, we picked them because they are the ones uh, that that we thought were particularly good for the podcast. So not that we got any feedback saying our previous Q and A episode was boring. But uh, it was it was boring to do. I know that. So, <laughs> so I think this one's going to be a lot better. We we really handpicked these to make sure they were good for the podcast. So anyway, first one is from Sylvie, and Sylvie, I, I think that's probably a girl. I don't know. Says I'm doing great eating no meat and was trying to increase my treadmill activities, but my knee or muscle by my knee is giving me some trouble. Any hints or some any hints on some stretches for that particular area? Okay, so uh, my, I mean. My guess here, Sylvie, and it's you know, nearly impossible to make an accurate diagnosis by some sort of thing like this. Also, we should preface this by saying that we uh, are not doctors. We don't pretend to be doctors. So, like, I don't, I don't like to, like, go into hardcore advice very much, like, answering people's specific problems. And this is one reason I've kind of stopped doing this by email, um, just because I'm not really qualified to do that. I'm not done with any certification. So, anyway, that is a preface before we say anything here about, about health and and nutrition like you should actually talk to a doctor or someone who who does actually know what they're talking about here um but to me this sounds like it band more than more than a, a knee muscle issue or right. a knee joint issue uh it's just it band syndrome is is very common thing that happens when you increase mileage mm-hmm. um it just it's an inflammation thing and it happens basically you can do everything right except increase your mileage too quickly and you don't even know what too quickly is i mean you can follow the 10 percent rule and whatever and for whatever reason it just doesn't end up working out and it gets inflamed and uh, a good way to to know that it's it band is if it really hurts to go downhill or particularly downstairs that's that's a good sign that it is an it band issue right um i mean certainly there's there's lots of other stuff it could be knees are complicated and you should go to an actual sports doctor here and find out what's what's going on if if you're not willing to just say i'm gonna rest for a couple weeks and see what happens yeah so if uh if she's having it band issues is there anything in particular you would recommend all that i know for it band really is is to rest and kind of let it Mm -hmm. not be inflamed for a while i mean let you know do what you can to reduce inflammation on it um i don't know if you just kind of force reduced inflammation like with anti-inflammatory drugs or like tart cherry juice another more natural way of doing it uh, because some would argue that inflammation is the body's natural response, and if you're artificially reducing that inflammation so that you can run without pain, you're you're just masking an issue that, right. that's going to come back um, and could get worse. So I think resting is the best thing. But the the thing is, when people, if you rest to to fix an issue like this, 
you can't just come back and do the exact same thing you did before. Like something has got to change or the exact same thing is probably going to happen again. Mm -hmm. So that could mean increasing your mileage at a, at a slower rate. Um, it could mean changing something about your form. I think that's another very likely culprit is that you can make a form adjustment and suddenly you're able to handle this mileage increase better. Uh, impossible for us to say how the, the tip for form that I always give is take 180 steps per minute or three per second just because that's kind of the most universal tip I know to improve form and, and fix problems without getting into specifics. Um, yeah, so that's 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 what I know. I mean, and there are stretches. Like I had IT band stuff right before I went vegetarian, actually, six years ago. I was having an IT band issue, and uh, I went to an ART kind of doctor. I think it was active release technology. I don't think it was actually a doctor. Uh, he gave me some stuff. You know, I think one of those yoga-like poses where you bend your leg in front of you and you kind of lean into it you know that one doug where you i mean it's i don't even know how to describe it you're, you're basically doing a push-up except one of your knees is bent up and your your foot is under your other knee does that make sense like a give me a yoga oh. pose Swan. right but your your foot your front foot is not touching the ground right uh it is you're pushing you're doing <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, yeah. Okay. Like a like a lunge, like a like a like a. It's kind of like a lunge, except your leg is bent so that the outside of your foot is resting on the ground, and you're just bending into your. Oh, like pigeon pose? Yeah. There you go. That, okay. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I said yeah. swan. Okay. That's not. Yeah. Okay. Pigeon pose. I think that's what I was given. Something like that, as well as some other ones where you stand up straight and similarly cross like cross your legs and and slide one mm -hmm. far away, and you kind of lean into it. I mean, I look it up on the internet. Yeah. IT band stretches. There's a good one if you lay on your back and then do like a figure four, but on your back. I don't um, know what figure four is. So if you bend bend one leg and cross it over the other one and pull it back towards you. Okay. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, and that that's what these all do. Same type of idea. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So look up IT band stretches on the internet. Uh, I have heard that it, that foam rolling is you actually don't want to roll on a on yeah. an inflamed IT band. Mm -hmm. Just was going to increase inflammation but i think rolling around the area is not a bad thing to do like a lot of that stuff comes from imbalances in the hip and all right. different things so just rolling out those muscles with foam rolling i think that's a really great thing to do again don't do it directly on the it band and you should also if you don't know where the it band is look it up on the internet and find where it is it's along the side of your leg uh, but you don't want to be rolling too hard on that and uh last thing that i can say about this is from my personal experience when i had this issue uh i got those stretches i got this stuff I did it. I did what the doctor said, but I did not take the medicine that he prescribed. He prescribed, or I don't, I don't know if his prescription is the right term. He, he told me to take um, a leave or some kind of anti-inflammatory thing. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not into that stuff. Because even back then, I was uh, I was a little bit, you know, I was I was heading in the direction of being vegetarian because I was already not listening to doctors about taking medicine because I thought <laughs> it wasn't natural. Um, right. So I didn't want to do that, and I just didn't. And nothing got better. Like, I went through three or four weeks of treatment and just nothing was really improving so finally and i was i could run for like one or two miles and then all of a sudden everything would seize up and i'd have to walk home in pain and just be frustrated mm, that's terrible um, finally i gave in and took the medicine and was able to run i don't know three miles a little bit longer before the pain happened and i i took it for like a week like really not much not nearly the amount that as long as i was supposed to and almost right away i got back <laughs> was able to start running again so the doctor knew the correct thing to do. <laughs> right, exactly. The specialist wow. knew what I should do. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I should have listened from the beginning, I guess. But 
I yeah, even today I don't I don't think I'd, I'd listen like I still think if you're taking anti-inflammatories you're kind of masking an issue. Maybe maybe mine was so bad that that taking it is what enabled me to run at all, and then that allowed the body to kind of start rebuilding in a way that it hadn't been able to. I don't know, but I wouldn't be on that stuff for a long time. I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. So anyway, that's I'll, I'll just add that if it's not a if it's not an IT issue, um, generally knee issues stem from weaknesses and other like your quads or your hamstrings or something like that. So doing stretches and strengthening exercises for for your quads and your hammies um, is a good way to kind of strengthen the muscles around your knee and then hopefully prevent any sort of knee injuries. Good. Says our certified coach. That's right. Yeah. So you're bringing a little bit of credibility to this podcast. I don't like that. I think you maybe should be off of this. <laughs> <laughs> There's no place for that here. <laughs> uh, that's good. Actually, you know what? On that note, um, Jason Fitzgerald, who is our, our mutual friend, who I'll be seeing in Denver this weekend, uh, has a, his site is strengthrunning.com, and he has like an IT band rehab routine on there and some yeah. other stuff like that. So if you yeah. go over there, strengthrunning.com, look up his IT band thing, you'll find some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't know for sure that it's IT band. Is Jason going to run with the Nomad Athlete He group? is going to run with the Denver group. Oh, yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure nice. he'll try to race everybody and beat everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's all fast. <laughs> and he eats meat. So he's yeah. like, <laughs> right. So he'll like rub it in. He'll rub it in. That's why. Uh-huh. All right. Next one uh, is from M. El Jaziri. Like M. Bison, I guess. And long lost relative of M. Bison. That's first name. Okay. Street Fighter 2 reference? No. M. Oh. Bison. <laughs> I didn't get it at first. No, you didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, so Maggie, probably shouldn't have said her last name, but did that, um, says, I was wondering if you have or can suggest gluten-free paleo-vegan recipes. Uh, I need recipes that incorporate all of gluten-free, paleo, and vegetarian-vegan. Any help would really help out tremendously, which is, that's why it's called help, because it would help out tremendously. Man, right. you say your last name and you're making fun <laughs> Sorry, of it? Sorry, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, okay, first thing I would say about this is that sounds super restrictive, and it is, but you can kind of omit gluten-free from that because paleo is, I, I don't know that much about paleo, but I think it is 100% gluten-free um, by the strict definition of it, mm-hmm. right? Right. I so mean, let's talk about some gluten-free vegan options. That's where I think we should. Just <laughs> skip the paleo part? Well, I mean... <laughs> I was going to forget the, the gluten-free and talk about paleo-vegan options. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess we could do both. Um, first, paleo vegan is is really tough to do. Uh, I mean, I've written a post or two about it on No Meat Athlete that you can find by just googling No Meat Athlete Paleo Vegan. Susan even did a paleo vegetarian experiment. With yeah, it. she did, mm-hmm. uh, and she might have mentioned a few recipes and tips and things there. Um, the problem with it is it's really hard to get calories. Like, I mean, if a true paleo is not going to eat any grains, not going to eat any beans, I believe, and even like seeds are kind of suspect for paleo so you've lost your your dense calorie sources there you have nuts which you could eat um you'll be eating a really high amount of fat per gram of protein that you're getting if that's your goal with eating nuts Uh, but that's okay i mean paleo is high in fat so um i mean that's the problem like you can eat vegetables all day long and and paleos aren't gonna eat a whole lot of fruits either they say that the fruits that we now eat are not not right, and they're, oh, they're too sweet, too sugary, all this stuff, which is true. They're way different from what, what our ancestors ate. So, I mean, you don't have a, a dense calorie source if, if you're paleo-vegan, at least the way I understand it. Uh, you could eat vegetables. That's fine. You can, you can cook them, and you can eat tons and tons of broccoli and spinach and whatever else. But 
no matter how much that you eat, you're really going to have trouble getting calories. Like even like fruitarian diet, like they're all for eating raw vegetables all the time, but like you, you have to eat the fruit because that's where your calories come from. So that's why it's called fruitarian. So that's mainly what they eat is fruit. And then they kind of accent it with vegetables. Um, yeah, I mean, without beans and without greens, it's really hard to get calories. There is a book by Ellen Jaffe Jones called Paleo Vegan that is exactly, I think it's recipes. I haven't really looked at it at all, but uh, I guess I guess she must have some uh, some solution or a few recipes. I think if you make certain, uh, what's what's the word here? I'm looking forward, Doug. <laughs> have its clue. <laughs> Allowances that that uh, aren't uh. accurately paleo uh, or accurately vegan, vegetarian. If you want to do that. Uh, you can you can make it work. Like if, if you're vegetarian and you eat eggs, then that could be your your calorie and protein source or a big one for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I just think it's tremendously different difficult to actually do that well. Brendan Brazier's stuff is is not too far from that. You can sprout beans rather than cooking them. That makes them turn more like plants, more like vegetables than beans, so they're less starchy. That's more of a paleo food. Um, so yeah, I mean there are, there are workarounds, and I kind of wrote some in that blog post, but. It's a tough one. So how about let's talk about the slightly easier, I think, uh, gluten-free version. Gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan. Yeah. So so beans are now allowed. A lot of grains are allowed. Not certainly the the whole wheat type of grains, but uh, but most of them. Much easier, right? Yeah. Heather Crosby from Yum Universe, who has right. appeared in uh, on our podcast and in No Meat After the Academy, times, yeah. has a book called Yum Universe, which is entirely gluten-free. And my wife Erin. Uh, discovered actually after the Woodstock Fruit Festival that she had more of a gluten sensitivity than she'd ever realized. We went to this festival, ate only raw fruits and vegetables for a week, came home, did that for another, I don't know, probably a month kind of with, with some little exceptions here and there. And then when we went back to regular eating and she tried to eat gluten, she suddenly had all these major stomach issues and problems and just hmm. could just feel this weight in her stomach when she ate that and just felt terrible. Uh, so we we got into that and did it for like a few months when I was having those terrible headaches, I was not terrible, but just headaches every day. I was thinking that if I got rid of gluten, it would it would fix that, but it, it didn't. Um, only changing how I sleep and stand at my desk actually fixed that. By the way, which we've talked about. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Heather, you Heather can even drink a mission beer. Yeah, you can drink a mission beer in unlimited quantities <laughs> <laughs> if you want. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know that that Yum Universe is kind of my source for gluten free stuff, but but it's all over the place. Just look up gluten free vegan, and you'll right. you'll find all kinds of ways to do that. I bet there are more paleo vegan recipes out there than than we know of. I mean, that we than you would imagine. Yeah, I'm sure there are, and it's a popular thing. Like that has been since I wrote it, one of the highest traffic posts on No Meat mm-hmm. So there's a lot of interest in that. Uh, I just know when I wrote it, you know, like even in racking my brain for ideas of how to do it. I had to make it like you had to allow eggs or you have to allow sprouted beans and neither of those is accurate. You know, they're not, that's not truly paleo vegan because they violate one or the other. Right. Um, I wonder, I'd be curious if Maggie is willing to email us back why you want to be paleo vegan. Yeah, I know. You know what the reason is? Cause everyone around you says you shouldn't be vegetarian or vegan. You're going to die. You should be paleo cause it's popular. Yeah. <laughs> So people want to do. I mean, I understand, and I and I understand that it is an appealing story and a nice argument that we should eat the way we evolved to eat. I agree with that. And the problem, and this is certainly not the first people to say this, uh, that there really was no paleo diet. There were lots and lots of ways that our ancestors ate, and very hard to replicate any of them. But uh, I mean, there's evidence that paleos ate, ate some grains too. 
So I don't know. I don't want to go into paleo. It's 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 you know people get upset and start emailing us and saying they want to come on our podcast. And <laughs> so anyway, let's uh let's move on. All and, right. Okay. All right. So this one is from Angelique, and she says, "I'm a high school track athlete, so I run at practice and on my own already." Uh, wonder if you had any nutrition suggestions for the daily needs of a 16-year-old female runner who is five foot two inches. I have a lot of nutrition suggestions for 16-year-old <laughs> female runners who are five foot four inches. Oh man, she is five foot two. Luck, I, I've Angelique. got nothing for. Gosh. We're just killing these these questions. These people who ask these nice questions. I know. I mean, so mean. No, that wasn't that wasn't making fun of her. That was just that was just being an idiot. Uh, anyway, so Angelique wanted to know, wanted to let us know that she's allergic to nuts, peanuts, and soy. So that's why she eats fish, because it's hard for me to find other protein sources. Uh, but if we can help with that, then it'd be awesome. Um, okay, so this is one. I'm, I'm hesitant to, like, go into this sort of thing. A lot of this happens fairly frequently, is kids will email or kids' parents will email and ask about teens. Yeah, and they want to know nutrition advice for their for their growing child. And I'm just, like, I'm fairly confident that you can eat a, a whole food plant-based diet and, and be fine. I just I just don't like saying that i just don't want to be wrong you know about right. about kids who are growing and like especially if you're an athletic kid and you've you've just got crazy caloric needs and if you're deficient in any one of these nutrients then then who knows what bad things could happen as you're developing so i'm just like i just don't want to give diet advice to kids you know yeah except your own <laughs> right yeah i mean i yeah but they're not teenagers yet but, that's true but still they are they are uh developing but um, let, let, so let's take the sixteen-year-old part out of the question and just talk about someone who's allergic to nuts, peanuts, and soy. And what are some high-protein sources? Yeah. Vegan high-protein. This is probably, of course, the the answer as well. Even if you do take the sixteen-year-old part, I mean, it's basically going to be eat whole foods, eat lots of them, make sure you're getting enough calories. And if you truly are getting them from whole foods, I would probably take a multivitamin just to to mm-hmm. be on the safe side. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can can do it fine. Um, so if you're allergic to nuts, peanuts, and soy, I think beans are your friend and I think grains are your friend. Uh, if you want to be paleo, then of course they're not allowed, but I don't think you want to be paleo. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know, just they're, <laughs> I mean, beans and, and, uh, I, I mean, mean, any meal, beans, grains, a green, a green, a bean, that old formula. Yeah. I mean, really that, that's what so many meals are. A pasta dish with beans in it and some kind of sauce on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect i think good hearty meal uh whether you use oil or not like see I'm, i get hesitant to like not recommend oil for kids i just feel like you're losing so many calories even right. though i really do believe recently that that uh oil is not a good food to be eating so you know i'm i just i don't know i don't want to go into nutrition for people like that but i think if you find a good just find a good vegan cookbook and and one that doesn't rely on soy and most of the time you can omit the nuts and peanuts. Like that's not essential to many recipes. Those are kind of a snacky food. Right. But and then there are certainly some peanut sauces and things like that. Uh but if you can find a, a soy free or mostly soy free vegetarian or vegan cookbook, that's going to meet your needs, I think, for the most part here. I would probably take the multivitamin. Not everyone agrees with that. Um but yeah, that's that's what I would say. Doctor Furman has a book called Disease Proof Your Child, which is probably for people younger than 16 mm-hmm. but we have that one and we like it a lot just just have some good tips kind of a lot of reassurance that uh that like yes you can do this with kids and and be totally fine perhaps even healthier than than the alternative do you know do you know if dr Furman's 
he has a child multi-day vitamin, right? That's probably not for teens. It's for yeah, our kids take like a little powdered okay, one that they do every like morning. Children, not... yeah, I don't know what age it goes up to. It's called it's called Pixie Bites or something or Pixie Bites. So mm. I don't think it's a don't think it's a sixteen-year-old name. Are they in the shape of Flintstones? No, it's a, in the shape oh, of powder. It's in the right? shape of powder, so it's in the shape <laughs> of its container. Well, that sounds pretty lame. <laughs> they love it though. They love that vitamin juice, as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> they do all right so sorry angelique that we don't have too much there um but uh i i think it's admirable that you that you are even thinking about eating a plant-based diet at that age because i was not even close to that I, mean, I didn't even know people did this who were who were fit and athletic i thought it was just like a weird thing people did um so and i think eating fish i mean as much as i would like i think it'd be awesome if you didn't eat fish i think uh I think that's a way to appease a lot of people who will give you, who who will say you're crazy if you if you don't eat meat uh, at that age. But anyway, okay, next one. Uh, this one is from Reg and Annie, and Reg and Annie say we've been vegetarian for over 25 years, but over the last couple of years, now that they're both in their late 50s, they've become unwell and looked into their protein intake, and it was well below the recommended 45 grams per day for his wife and 55 grams for him um on reading a lot of info it appears that because your body cannot store the eight essential amino acids it is essential to have them every day i thought there were nine essential amino acids doug i think there are nine okay so you got to get that extra one there (laughs) don't miss that one um so anyway because you can't store them it's important to have them every day Uh, i've tried pea hemp rice protein drinks but finally they upset our digestion and spoken to the vegetarian society in the uk and they say as a vegetarian you should also aim to consume approximately 30 percent more than the recommended daily amount of protein because of low digestibility of plant-based protein so the question then is uh i guess what do you do and do they really need that much protein uh okay so i mean so I'm not sure what what kind of percentages where those numbers came from 45 and 55. They sound like they're in the ballpark of what uh, what I try to get. I mean, let's see if you multiply that by four, which is four calories per grams, then let's see you'd have 220 for Reg and 180 grams or, or calories, sorry for Annie. So those are probably about 10 percent of the calories you're consuming in a day, unless you're consuming a lot of calories I and mean, if you're if you're eating high calorie diets but if you're in the 2000 calorie range you guys are close to 10 percent of your calories from protein um so that's that's in the ballpark of i think where you want to be i think 12 to 15 percent especially if you're an athlete is probably a better place to be so if you can get 20 percent more than what you're currently getting um so instead of 55 get get 65 to 70 grams a day i think i think that's then you're in the very safe zone of like this this is plenty of protein uh asking almost any vegan vegetarian doctor or or pro vegetarian vegan doctor i should say um they'll tell you that's that's the amount of protein that you should be getting uh so let's see yeah i mean i don't think i don't think you should get too much less than that i think i mean it's said over and over that that it's very hard to be protein deficient perhaps impossible to be protein deficient without being calorie deficient assuming you're eating whole foods uh if you ate nothing but olive oil or like drenched your food in olive oil and that was where the vast majority of your calories were coming from because it's this high calorie source that has no protein, potentially then you could be way under the amount of protein you would be getting if you just ate whole foods. But if you eat fruits, vegetables, and whatever, beans, grains, whatever, just whole foods, nothing else, you're going to be getting 10% plus protein. Um, 
which I think is I think is fine. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. what what else is there to answer there? Well, I think that the answer is that you don't necessarily need thirty percent more, but stepping it up a little bit more if you're an athlete, yeah, would not be bad. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't really heard this thing about low digestibility of protein yeah, when it's plant based. I've heard that about iron and and plant iron sources. You need more, right? Uh, or, or you just need to put in more effort to make sure you're you're combining it with the right food so that it's that it's being assimilated. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know about that one. Thirty percent more than than what it's recommended. In fact, I would I would argue most vegetarians eat significantly less than what is recommended and do just and fine. do fine. Those who aren't really focused on it. I mean, you know, if you if you go vegetarian or vegan and then you focus on protein and you eat all these shakes and all that stuff, then it's easy to get the amount of protein that people tell you you should be getting. But once you go towards whole foods and just avoid that stuff it, you're going to be getting less than what most people say is I mean, you're not way less than the 20 percent that a lot of people seem to think you need um and everyone seems fine who does that so you know I, what i bet it is that missing amino acid <laughs> that ninth one <laughs> i was gonna say that maybe the plants in in, in england don't digest as well as the plants. i have heard that no <laughs> no okay. i haven't heard that all right all right um so anyway, yeah. yeah, I don't know what else to say there. But Let's... congratulations, Reg and Annie, on twenty-five years of being vegetarian. That's great. Yeah, and being married for for probably that long. Yeah, yeah, cool. Probably have a thirty-year anniversary coming up. So congratulations in advance for that. <laughs> Maybe even five years in advance. <laughs> okay, next one's from Isha. I S H A, uh, and she says, "I think it's a she." So I have a few questions. I'm a volleyball player and a track athlete. I work out almost every day unless I'm injured. That's good. Uh, since I'm currently am injured, what are some healthy options to eat? No beans, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> also, what are some strength and training exercises I can do to help my knee? Um, and she's got some things here. Patellar tendonitis things, volleyball injuries, I bet. Um, okay. So I don't fully understand the question. What healthy options to eat? Is it basically what healthy options are there to eat that don't have beans in them? Because I don't know. I mean, regarding your injury, I don't think certainly you want to eat healthy, healthy diet food that's going to help your injury heal better and help your body heal itself. But um, I think she's just saying. Oh, I guess okay. Maybe maybe it's because she's injured, she needs to have some healthy options um, since she's not now exercising. So what are some healthy right. options you can eat without putting on a lot of weight? Okay, good. Um, Okay, so here what I would do is aim for nutrient density per calorie, basically. So divide nutrients by calories. So the more nutrients and the lower the calories, that's the better your health in general, right? Dr. Furman's formula and lots of other people's formula too. Nutrients divided by calories basically equates to health ultimately. So um, if you are injured and you're not doing a lot of moving around, then you want to get lots of nutrition without lots of calories. And uh, if you ever look at those that Andy score in Whole Foods, like if you go to a Whole Foods and, and look at their salad bar, not every Whole Foods has this, but a lot of them do, they have this score, and Furman is actually behind this, uh, but where they have somehow are basically doing a more complicated version of the nutrients divided by calories formula. And then they they normalize it, or whatever, to scale it, whatever, so that the highest one is 1,000. I think the lowest one is zero. Um, kale, lots of the other leafy green vegetables are around a thousand and as as the 
caloric density goes, you start moving towards, I don't know, just just foods that are like the whole grains, the fats generally are much lower Andy scores, uh, and then and then the animal products also fairly low, which is why Furman does not recommend them for anybody. So you, I think, basically just need to eat the highest uh, highest Andy scores, and and then the no no beans, please. I mean that's fine. Beans are not super high in nutrients per calorie. They are a good nutritious food, and they're not. I wouldn't say they're low in nutrients per calorie, but uh, but the highest ones are are mostly vegetables. So I think I think that's what you should do. I would I would aim to eat lots and lots of vegetables, and then accent that with with something else. The the more substantial food that's going to pack your calories in could be fruit, could be grains, uh, not beans for Isha, but it could be nuts. Anything else? Are there other kind of foods out there? Seeds. Seeds. Yep. Yeah. But uh, so would you would you recommend sticking to raw vegetables as she's eating lots of vegetables as much raw as she can? And no, I mean I think I think eating some raw and some cooked is good. Mm-hmm. I, I think you certainly don't want to neglect raw, and we have way more problems neglecting raw than we do neglecting cooked. Like, you don't really need to tell people to eat cooked vegetables because they <laughs> do. Right. But so yeah, so make sure you are getting some raw vegetables, but I think you should also get some cooked ones. Um, but yeah, I would I would focus on mostly eating vegetables and then having some other stuff to fill you up. That's what I do, and and that goes for the order too. Like Erin, my wife, has been doing this weight loss thing recently from Chef AJ ever since the the vegan cruise, where she listened to a talk by AJ and got her book and all this other stuff. Uh, and we should have AJ on the podcast, by the way. She she I talked to her about this, and she said she was into it. We just cool. need to make that happen. Uh, yeah, so we'll do like a weight loss episode. I think that'd be fun. We don't ever talk about that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what Erin's rule is, and she's been tremendously successful on this. I won't go into the amount lost, but hopefully she'll be on an episode two to talk about this. Um, because it, it is quite impressive. Uh, but anyway, she eats vegetables first thing in the morning. That's her, that's breakfast is, is a pound of vegetables cooked and it could be Brussels sprouts, could be squash, could be something else there. You put a little bit of saucy things on there, but they're very, no calorically dense foods on there. Just eat those vegetables first. And then with what room is left in your stomach, if you need to eat more, fill it up with the, the more calorically dense foods, but get those vegetables first. That's the, that's the key. And that, it really has worked very well for, for her and lots of others too. So anyway, uh, and then Isha has, a, has another question. Also, what are some strength and training exercises I can do? Yeah, I read this um, to help with my knee. We talked about this earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. so I don't want to go too much further there. Uh, as you said, Doug, and you kind of pointed out to me earlier, is that you probably don't want to target the knee with strength and training exercises to try to try to strengthen it. I would I would just do leg exercises right. to try to strengthen your knee because it's going to strengthen everything and that's that's probably what you need to do is, is have strong everything there i just looked up patellar tendonitis which is what she said she had mm-hmm. and it's commonly known as jumper's knee have you heard of jumper's knee uh-huh mm-hmm. i knew it was a volleyball injury yeah um yeah and i think that the again the quads and the hamstrings and other leg exercises anything you do like that lunges and squats and things like that i think are just good for building up the muscles around those knees Good. Support the knee. And All right. The, and yeah. Doug is certified. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> All right. That means nothing. <laughs> that means a little something. A little something. A little something. Okay. Next one is from Sarah. Um, and Sarah says, uh, I've been loosely following a plant-based diet based on your book and the Thrive philosophy. That's Brendan Razor's Thrive, I assume, for about three weeks. Never been a big meat eater, so it was no big deal. Uh, I was eating it only because of my running. That's that's interesting because that's kind of where I was before I went vegetarian. I did not go for a while because I, I thought it would screw up my running to do so. 
Uh, I can tell a huge difference now that I've stopped eating meat and dairy. I don't have a heavy pit in my stomach, and my runs seem not necessarily easier, but more enjoyable. Um, okay, so on, so on. Okay, so there was a, something in one of our emails a while ago said that being vegan doesn't mean eating Oreos all day. And that is true, because Oreos are vegan, um, but you don't want to eat them. <laughs> so she says, I love that. I have a big sugar issue. Not overweight, not diabetic. I just love cookies and cakes. I've made your sister's black bean brownies, and they are delicious. Made a whole batch to keep in the freezer. Uh, and then, okay, I know that candies and cookie are just a, cookies are just a habit, but any suggestions on how to break that habit? And anything I can make that would be a substitute? So on, so on. Okay. So this is a good question. This is a question about habit change, sort of. Yeah. And uh, the fact of the matter is it takes it takes a while for your taste buds to adjust, but they do adjust. It, it's hard to believe that, but go long enough without eating that stuff, and you will stop craving that stuff. Uh, the, the way that I got there was in the most gradual way possible over the course of really like it's been six years now and only in the past six months have i really probably completely stopped eating that stuff like just kind of stopped craving it and it's been been because it's been this gradual march towards more and more whole foods and less and less of that stuff so it's been just something that i want less and less and uh you learn you get better at finding other things to eat and that's just how it goes so i'm not saying you need to take six years to do it of course <laughs> Uh, there are other ways. I just mentioned Chef AJ before, and she has a lot of people in her weight loss program, and she she basically has them go cold turkey, like right away. You, you you're all that stuff is gone. Here's the stuff you can eat. It's all to the left of this red line on a caloric density chart, and and sugars and all this other stuff is just not on there. So you just you're off it. Um, an approach like that, like see, Erin has has done well with that. My wife, because she's like me, been eating this way for for five six years now. So it wasn't that hard, but, but some people in the group are coming from omnivorous diets and suddenly they're eating not just vegan diets, but vegan and no oil and no nuts and no avocados and limited fruit. I mean, you know, very, yeah. very difficult thing to, very just, to just go yeah. into that. Mm-hmm. But some people are successful with it. Um, you, you basically, I mean, you need to have a lot of willpower. You need to have every other possible thing you can have going for you, accountability. Uh, you need to be super motivated to do this. I mean, I'm not saying you can't make an all at once approach like that work it's just you've got to you're gonna to have to stick it out and i don't know last two three months like that and being miserable for a lot of that time wanting something and not being able to have it um and then i, I guess after two three months you probably do eventually adjust because you just went all in and eventually you just you just kind of get there so you can potentially maybe get there a lot faster than a gradual approach will but i think you're way more likely to succeed if you're willing to say this is my plan for the next two years, and I'm going to gradually phase these different things out at these different stages. Um, so along those lines, you, you mentioned, um, Sarah, about are there other things you could make as a substitute? I mean, not really. Like you can you can make things that are somewhat healthier, but what you want when you want that stuff is sugar and fat. Right. So whatever you, if whatever you make is going to satisfy those cravings, it's going to have sugar and fat in them. You can have you can have the healthy sugar and fat. Like you can make avocado pudding or whatever with that's sweetened with dates or who knows what. And I mean that's somewhat healthier or way healthier than, than adding oils and, and just refined sugar. But I think it it I don't know as far as like weight goes and all that. I mean you're not eating any less calories. It's just it's just going to be a healthier version of those calories. Well, I think that for me, we've quit buying any of the you know cookies or 
mm-hmm. uh, junk sweet stuff and and but i haven't cut out sweets entirely you know i'll have a little piece of dark chocolate or um a couple if they if they're in season some really ripe and sweet strawberries or something like that as kind of to fulfill that craving for something sweet at the end of a meal right and that's you know way healthier than and those i mean one could argue that you shouldn't cut those out even if even if like you were trying to be as healthy as possible strawberries perfectly good for you I right there's no and yeah. even dark chocolate some depending on what kind it is it could could just be perfectly good mm-hmm. for you so but for me it's been having to and i still get those cravings and whether they're good or bad i don't know but i'm still getting those they're cravings bad. i'm just fulfilling them with something that's yeah so i think that's i think that's a good thing um to get yourself to be satisfied say eating fruit instead of those brownies mm-hmm. or whatever that's a huge step and i think that is that is then significantly healthier not just not just like a foe Right. Pudding. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing you mentioned there, Doug, was that you don't buy that stuff for the house. That's a nice way to, to kind of go halfway or more than halfway is just say, I'm, I'm Sarah could say, I'm no longer going to eat cookies or candy at home because it's not, it's not that hard when you're out shopping to resist buying that stuff. Cause generally you're not in that hot state of, I need to have this food right now. <laughs> so go shopping when you're, when you're in a cold state of not particularly hungry or not craving anything don't buy the stuff and then you don't have it and now you you do have some fruit on hand or something else and that's what you go to instead and then when you go out or even if you're if you want something so badly that you're willing to go out and get it i mean you know do it fine and yeah. i think it's not a bad first step but but you've eliminated it from your house so that's a that's a really big step right so i think that's that's one strategy uh rather than looking for substitutes that you're going to have always around and accessible that you'll be eating all the time anyway so like i could tell you to go on nomad athlete and look at the you found the, the black bean brownies, so you probably saw Christine's other recipes, and they're all desserts that are have kind of some healthy food snuck in there. You could make that, but then if you do that, you have a big batch of these, whatever, sweet energy bars lying around, and you're probably going to eat them all in one day if, if, that's your, <laughs> if, if the craving hits and you want it. So I don't think that's the best thing. I think, I think a policy like, well, I'm not going to do this at home, uh, and, and set a limit. Say 30 days, I'm not going to do this at home. And then when you get to the end of that, maybe it's time to go a little further. And say I'm not gonna do it out of the house either, except for one time per week. I'll let myself do this on a Sunday or whatever. Right. So I think you can just set up steps like that. But that's that's just another way of of setting up phases and being willing to change over a long term. Right. So that would be uh, my advice. That's how I went vegan. Was oh yeah. The at home, I was. That's vegan right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I have gone or am currently going oil free. I don't know if that's my goal. It's different than vegan because there's no ideological attachment to. Right, not eating oil, um, so I don't know that I'll ever not eat it out. But but not having it at home is certainly an easier step than saying I have to give this up right. for sure. sure. Uh, so I, I've been very happy with that, and it's nice when I do go out and taste taste delicious. So you did endorse the fact that we both talked about this last week that I bought a bunch of Numinos for the hundred for my mm-hmm. twenty four hour race. Definitely did. Yeah, so that she, could, a just, bit she could just run 100 every time she Yes, gets. <laughs> there you go. So to say no Oreos unless I'm running 100 miles. Perfect type of step like that. So after you've done it, eliminated in the house, then you eliminate it every other time except when you're running 100 miles. I like <laughs> Which that. I did buy a big pack of. Did you? So yeah. Oh, yeah. you'll be so glad gonna, you did. They're I'm delicious. devour those things. Yeah. Yeah, they're so good. I haven't had that stuff in a long, long time. Numinos? No. I used to. I used to buy that at a grocery store. Even a couple of years ago, and we just we'd snack on it, eat, oh, it, yeah? eat it, be gone in two three days. Uh, yeah, but kind of got away from that. 
I think graham crackers, s'mores, camping is the last sweet food I ate. No, that's not right. My daughter had a birthday two days ago and ate cake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, next one's from Marco. Uh, Marco says, new subscriber and has a question. Hello, Marco. Welcome. Nice to have you. Have you evaluated Vibram Five Fingers in any of your earlier newsletters? And I say Vibram because that is the correct pronunciation. I like how Vibram sounds a lot better, but Vibram is what it is. And we do everything by the book here. We sure do. Um, I'm I'm going to buy new ones. I guess he's saying, and just looking for information if it is a really if it really is a good idea. Uh, good question. I have a lot to say about this, and you probably do too, Doug, as yeah. a certified running coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, Marco, I did write a little bit about them. I haven't written much about like are they good, are they bad. I just wrote about the ones that I had and you know how I had moved towards minimalist shoes in general. Um, but to to probably give you a better answer to that, uh, neither of us, Doug nor I, runs in that type of shoe now. Um, Although we both did go through a minimalist phase, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever have five fingers? Just, I, I, yeah, I have a yeah. pair of five fingers, okay. but I never really ran on them that regularly. But I did wear some pretty, pretty mm-hmm. minimalist shoes there for a while. Yeah, and I still now and then run in very minimalist shoes, although the toes aren't separated. But they're they're basically the same thing. Um, okay, so there's a, there's a really good episode, Marco. You should listen listen to with uh, the founder of Ultra Running, named Golden Harper, that we did. I think mm-hmm. it was episode forty one or so in that range. <laughs> um, and it was he talks a lot there about minimalist versus uh, versus more maximal shoes. It makes a good distinction between minimalist and zero drop because although almost all minimalist shoes are zero drop, not all, but almost all, uh, it seems that almost everybody who let's see when someone says zero drop, they also tend to think that implies minimalist, but it doesn't have to. You can have a shoe that has plenty of cushioning. But there is no difference between the heel and the toe as far as the height. So that is a zero-drop shoe that is not really minimalist because it still has cushioning. And that's what Ultras are all about. And Ultras, A-L-T-R-A. So all their shoes are zero-drop. They're all shaped like your foot, but they have varying degrees of cushioning. And uh, I've been a really big fan of their shoes. You like their shoes too, right? Mm -hmm. Or now that you're sponsored by Hoka, you can't say that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. They were good, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) But you, yeah, you you matured. (laughs) Okay. Um... Anyway, I like ultras a lot. My wife runs them. I actually just bought my mother a pair of them with uh, with a gift certificate that I won at Runner's World when our when our team won that scavenger hunt. Oh, great! Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I'm outfitting my family in ultras, and let's see, what's there to say about them? Well, I guess we, I, what it would be the benefits of Vibrams? You know, I guess for for someone who doesn't really understand the whole minimalist thing, uh, I think we should probably yeah, talk okay. about that. Let's. In the, Let's say one more thing about this ultras that I didn't wasn't thinking about, but this is important. What what Golden said to us, and this is the first time I really heard it said like this, is that if you a lot of people who go to minimalist shoes, and this would be a benefit, is that it tends to correct a lot of joint injuries further up the leg. So if you have hip problems or knee problems, potentially even ankle problems, a lot of that is caused perhaps by a bad stride or or a shoe that is not right for you. So when you go to a minimalist shoe, suddenly you can't land on your heel very hard anymore. Your your form automatically corrects itself in many ways, in, in much the same way as, as increasing your cadence does. It just kind of corrects things. Uh, and, and running in minimalist shoes kind of causes you to take these smaller and quicker steps, so it kind of increases your cadence itself. So they're very much related. 
Um, when you do that, you hear all these people reporting that miraculously they don't get injured anymore. And mm. that's, that's what Born to Run, so much of that was based on, when it, which kind of launched the whole minimalist movement. What Golden said, though, is that, and this has been certainly borne out uh, by data that I've seen, you see more foot injuries happening in people who, who do go to the minimalist shoes. So it seems that having a lot of cushioning between your ground, the shoe, no, between the ground and your foot, um, causes injuries of the leg. Having very little cushioning causes injuries in the foot, basically. So it's sort of like you got to pick which one is is not your problem, and then go with that. <laughs> um, not to say you need to have one or the other. I mean, you can certainly, if you've got good form and you're you're doing well, and, and I mean, you eventually find the shoe that's right for you, and hopefully you can avoid injuries almost entirely. So I think that's that's a good place to start the conversation from. Other benefits? I mean, there are certainly other benefits to running in minimalist shoes, right? Like the whole you feel like you're part of the nature and, and you're, I don't know, you feel the ground, you feel the cracks, you feel the rocks. Particularly if you're doing any kind of trail running, I mean, I guess there's more danger there of stepping on a particularly sharp rock or something. But when I did trail running in the Five Fingers, I thought that was great. Like, I, I love that. Yeah. You could feel everything and it just felt very natural. So there, there's that other, that kind of mental benefit of just being more in touch with your surroundings. Um yeah, I mean, and then one of the causes, perhaps, of, of fewer joint issues with minimal shoes is that you, you make use of your feedback in your body. Like, foot, body, incredible machine that is made for running, people would argue, from born to run. Uh, and when you when you run on different surfaces, your your body knows how to adapt in, in, I mean, in an amazing way, way way better than you could do in any conscious manner. Mm-hmm. So when you when you suddenly put up this this artificial cushioning in between your ground the ground and your foot you you're kind of messing with all that stuff. Are, are there other benefits that you can think of? Yeah, I mean I, I mean I think the big one is that it just it will automatically like you're saying your body will adjust its stride uh, your stride to a more proper running form. Um, the real the big one is they look awesome. That's I mean the toe shoes and yeah, you go to the grocery store that's, that's the, the real benefit. <laughs> uh, but the others are are also good too. So I mean I don't know that's 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 my take on them. I, I don't run them anymore because I had a lot of when I did I have a lot of like calf tightness, lower calf tightness, mm-hmm. and I can't seem to get up to more than a few five mile runs per week in super minimalist shoes without without waking up in the middle of the night with like tight calf Charlie horse things and just it just feels not quite right. So I love doing it. I think they're a really great tool, a training tool that you should use. Um, you know, do try them in a speed workout, try them in a tempo workout, like find just, or, or after you're running, I think Scott Jurek, after his runs, used to always do some loops around the track or in the infield of the track with bare feet, just to get that exercise in. Um, we haven't even gone into the whole issue. Like when people switch to minimalist shoes, a lot of the reason for these foot injuries is that either they're not changing their form enough or more likely that they're, they're, your muscles aren't developed for that, right? You're just right. not used to that. We, so we walk around in yeah. shoes our whole yeah. lives. Um, yeah, so all that stuff has atrophied and we just were not built for that. So it takes a long time to transition into them correctly. And perhaps a lot of the injuries are because people aren't really doing that. They don't have the patience to do that. I certainly didn't. I mean, you, you right. try to, but it's just hard. So I train in several types of shoes. Sometimes I'll do the minimalist shoes for a run or two per week. For my longest of runs, I'll do a much more maximal shoe to just kind of protect the legs a little bit more. And uh, for probably the majority of, of my runs, I run in those ultras that are that are kind of a, a middle of the... For me, seems like a middle of the road shoe. They have some cushioning, still fairly minimal, but but not at all like like say the Brooks Pure Rift that I run in sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it, there's tons of value in mixing up your shoes uh, 
you know, a few times a week or at least at least rotating between a couple different pairs of shoes. If you have a brand that you particularly like, you can stick with the brand, but you know, mixing up models will have different uh, drops, heel to toe drops, and we'll have different levels of cushioning and all that stuff. And there's huge value in, in mixing that up. So if you really wanted to do the five fingers, if you really wanted to do a minimalist shoe, then that's, that's great. Um, but you know, using them, like you said, as a training tool and kind of incorporating them into your training instead of using them as your sole shoe is probably a better option. Mm-hmm. Which is universally a good tip with running. I think mix up everything. Like run on roads sometimes, run on trails sometimes, mm-hmm. do strength training sometimes. I mean, the more you can just not do the exact same thing over and over because right. that's largely why running injuries happen because it's the exact same movement over and over and over. And if anything is slightly wrong with that, you're, you're going to get injured. So the more you can mix things up, the, the the different the more different more variety of training you'll be getting and I think the less likely you are, likely you are to get injured unless you hurt yourself trail running or something <laughs> you know let's trip on a rock or something or you get hit by a car on the road what about true that? true and that happens just as much as tripping on a rock it does <laughs> okay next one uh, actually last one is from Sylvia and um, this is sort of about a nomad athlete product but we'll still throw it in here just because I think it's useful. Um, so Sylvia's been running a few years and done four marathons, a few half marathons, started to eat mostly vegan vegetarian two years ago and loves it. Almost no processed food, cooks at home, pretty healthy. What I need to do now is figure out an eating plan, not just what to eat before and after I run, but I guess also that means the rest of her life too, so that I know what to eat on a regular basis to get more energy and avoid the pitfalls that make me feel sluggish. I was thinking about buying your book for a 13.1 training plan because I understand it includes a food plan too. Am I correct? Do you think it would help? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it'll be what you were looking for as far as a meal plan because it's not it's not a meal planning product. It, it has a nice meal plan in there that demonstrates the way that at that point when I wrote that, I was eating and kind of a very typical week for me. And... Uh, I mean, certainly you could follow that two-week plan and you could repeat it or you could learn from it and kind of do things like it. Uh, but I, I don't think you need a meal plan. I really don't think. I mean, if you've been vegan or vegetarian for two years and you eat almost no processed foods, I don't have much more advice for you than that. Like, I think just eat whole foods, probably mix it up. Not not to say that you can't thrive on a diet with with very small amount of variety if you have the exact right foods in there. And certain cultures have done that well. Um uh, I think it's safe to mix things up, get lots and lots of different uh, foods. It's just sort of a nice insurance policy against deficiency, I think. Kind of like with running. like You don't want to do the same thing over and over because then any small problem can eventually expand and just you know, become an issue if it's week after week after week. So I would uh, I would mix up what you eat, but just keep it whole foods. And I mean, yeah, like you, you can look at ratios, but you can find those on the internet. 65% carbohydrate is a decent amount. Uh, anywhere between 65 and 80, I think is a good amount of carbohydrate protein can be between 10 and 15 and fat is whatever ends up being left over there. Uh, I don't know. And I don't think you need to measure that in a given day either. Like now and then, yes, keep track of your calories and see what your day looks like and see what to you, what feels like a normal day, see where that actually turns out to look like by the numbers. Uh, but you don't need to be doing that every day. I mean, just do it once or twice, make sure that your typical day is in those ranges. And I think that's, really all you need to do again i'll advocate for a multivitamin i think it's a good idea again just sort of as an insurance policy but there are lots of argument there potentially a multivitamin could could many multivitamins in the past and currently probably do more harm than good 
they just you know that have mega doses of certain vitamins and things that have proven to be not very helpful or linked to cancers or whatever. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a, in general good just to get a good high quality multivitamin. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Doug? You think someone needs a meal plan? I don't think someone needs a meal plan. But I I think that you know just like what you were saying, mixing it up. If you're we've talked about this a few times on the podcast already, but having some sort of spreadsheet or some sort of way to track down a bunch of recipes that you like and meals that you like so you can always have something to go back to to help mix things up and mm-hmm. get out of a funk um, is good. If she's dealing with um, mid-afternoon slumps, but she's still eating a, a pretty healthy diet, um, what would you say there? Getting out of the mid-afternoon. Um, I mean, obviously coffee could be one if you're having too much <laughs> coffee in the morning. That tends to do that. Uh-huh. Uh, when I eat more and more raw fruits and vegetables, I, my energy goes up, which which I, I realize doesn't necessarily mean that's the way to eat long term. Like the the thing that gives you the most energy in the short term, th- yeah, maybe that's a good indicator. That's a good thing to eat long term, but I'm not totally convinced that they're one and the same. Right? There could be some benefits to eating foods that take some more work to digest, but maybe they're still really valuable for your body. Right. Um, so, I mean, as far as addressing that energy, I I find that I do a lot better if I eat lots of raw fruits and vegetables. It mm-hmm. Just seems to be less of a digestive load, and it's just you just feel better i wake up with more energy and i feel that energy throughout the day uh but if you're if you're taking or drinking stimulants a lot of them in the morning i think that that could certainly cause afternoon sluggishness um i will say one more thing about about meal plans i don't want to minimize their usefulness because i think there are some situations where someone could benefit from one um i just don't know if if sylvia is someone in that position first of all if you didn't if you truly did not know what you should be eating if if you just if you were new to um, either a plant-based diet or just a healthy eating diet in general, because you've been eating standard American diet all your life, and all you know is the way to eat that you grew up eating, and that to you is it, and you can't imagine what a meal looks like without meat as the the central portion of it, then maybe a meal plan would help you a lot. Uh, so might just going and getting a, a cookbook that you that you have reason to believe is well-rounded and a good diet, and just following those. Uh, but I mean, I think if, if you don't know what to eat, then a meal plan could help you. Someone else who it could help is someone who understands what they should be eating, understands the nutritional aspects of it, but just has trouble picking meals. Just gets bored with the stuff they have. Um, I, I know I go through this. Like we'll look at we have three shelves full of cookbooks now, and I'll look at it and just be overwhelmed and say I don't know what to make for dinner tonight. Even though we have twenty thousand recipes probably when you add up all those books, but it's just hard to pick one. And I think a meal plan can help with that too. It, it just says here's what to eat and here here's your recipe choice. Right. Uh, and it, and it plans it out for the next three months. Heather at Yum Universe has has something like this. Yumuniverse dot com. Uh, I think she has some three month meal plans there, where it tells you exactly what to eat, and that's that can be really nice because suddenly you don't have to think about that anymore, and it's just one less thing to plan. You just go do what it says and and eat it, and uh, and you can be fairly confident that you'll be you'll be good and healthy because of it. Uh, like you said, Doug, though, like just keeping your own bank, your own reference of meals knowing that like here's this list of 20 recipes that I know are good and dependable and they're all quick and the things I can just grab in the grocery store if you can keep a list like that in your smartphone that has exactly what you need to buy so that if you need to if you're caught on a day when you're coming home from work and you need to stop and run in and get ingredients for one meal you know you have it right there with you and you know you can pick one of these and you know it'll be able to you'll cook it quick and it'll be healthy and taste good and uh, the rest will be history if you have a smartphone which I don't. I'm very fond of saying that I don't. We noticed the other day that, <laughs> that 
people are fond of saying that when they don't use Facebook, right? Because right. They, and we, I want someone who who makes listens to the podcast to make one of those memes, and I know they're easy to make. That says, uh, "How do you how do you tell the person at the party who doesn't use Facebook?" And the answer to the joke, of course, is they'll tell you. They'll let which you know. Which is a very popular vegan joke. Exactly. Which is why which is why a vegetarian or vegan person uh-huh. needs to what, make it. And how? It, yeah. Because then it's sort of funny, and I think I, I think, think something hilarious. like that could gain traction among a vegetarian vegan audience who appreciates the joke. Mm-hmm. Probably not among the general audience, but I think if you put it out on Facebook, it's destined for success because everyone there hates people who who like Rude. to say they don't use Facebook. <laughs> Nobody there doesn't use Facebook, uh-huh. so everyone likes it. But you're the you're the guy who who doesn't have a smartphone and likes to rub that well, in. I, I just said that. I know. I, I readily I know. admit that. I I am proud of that. I think it's a good choice. I don't use Facebook very much, but I don't I don't brag about it. <laughs> Most people do though. So make that meme, somebody, please. With Willy Wonka as the as the guy on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. We'll send you a free sticker. Yeah, we'll send you a free sticker. And we'll say your name on the podcast. <laughs> okay. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Okay. Um, I think we're done. Yeah, I think that's we've, it. We've answered eight questions fairly completely and uh, had, a, had a good time doing it too. Yeah. Last time we had that timer and it was just all this pressure and wasn't we hadn't good. read through the questions first. It was uh, trouble. Wasn't good. Yep. This is a good way to ring in the 80s of the episodes. Bring in the 80s? Ring in the 80s. This is episode 80s. 80, right? Oh. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> okay. the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it actually is episode 80. I think that's right. We should start theming the podcast according to like what decade uh, they're in. So all this '80s music that's copyrighted and that we shouldn't be allowed to use, and we just start yeah. putting that in our episodes. We could have whatever was the the number one song that day or yes. that week back in the '80s or '90s or whatever. I believe the number one song in 1980 was uh, "We Got the Beat." We, we got, got the I think that beats. was one during 1980 because I was born in 1980, so. Yeah. Somehow I learned that that was one of the songs. Huh. But there are a lot of good songs in 1980. <laughs> oh, man, once you get to the 90s, you get the Goo Goo Dolls out and the <laughs> Spin Doctors. Oh, yeah. Man. This is going to be fun. And totally illegal, too. That's all right. <laughs> I don't think it is all right. <laughs> okay. Anyway. That's enough. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back with episode 81 next time, and we'll be talking about Doug's race recap. Yeah. And his guaranteed 100-mile completion in 24 hours uh so i look forward to hearing how you did how you did it yeah and i hope you have a great trip matt and and say hello to everybody out in denver and oklahoma city for me will do tell them all right tell them to make that meme it'll already be made by then okay (laughs) all right thanks for listening everyone bye